This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. This is episode number 34. This episode features Chris Clapper and Patrick Gallagher, who currently have an exhibition up at Odetta Gallery in Bushwick, Brooklyn at 229 Cook Street. Um, It's part of their bigger Data at a Data project. Um, And this one specifically is Three Sphere, which centers around a sculpture depicting uh, the concept of infinity and uh, four-dimensional mathematics presented in a visual artistic form. If you are in the Bushwick area, you should definitely check it out. I went to their artist talk yesterday at the gallery, um, had a great time and really loved the work. Um, we're going to talk more about it here. Uh, and also they have an installation happening later in the year at the Invisible Dog in December. Uh, the links for them and all of their work, of course, will be in the show notes for this page on BushwickVarietyShow.com. Um also, some of their work will be on the Instagram for Bushwick Variety Show. But without further ado, this is Chris Clapper and Patrick Gallagher. Data out of data. Let's have a conversation. How are you guys doing? Great. Oh, we're doing great. Um, why don't you both introduce yourselves and maybe introduce your show? Uh, my name is Chris Claffer and I'm Patrick Gallagher. So we are a we are um, Bushwick longtime Bushwick residents. We've been here for about 22 years now, and um, right now we have a solo show at Odetta Gallery over on Cook Street between Bogart and White. Um, it's the only standalone sculpture gallery in, in Bushwick. Um, and so we have a show called Data Ada Data Three Sphere. Um, and it's about a lot of, uh, it's a, it's a large sculptural installation with a lot of different materials, multimedia. We have a, a 500 pound invisible sculpture that is the main, um, the centerpiece. And then we have a uh, carved wall that's 18 feet by 10 feet that has embedded L- programmable LED lights. And then we have a whole bunch of other sculptures and some intaglio prints that are there. And we were, so the, the theme of the show is, uh, it's called Three Sphere. So it's this, uh, that the whole theme of the sculptures and the intaglio prints, they're all connected to this idea of infinity and with uh, with regards to four-dimensional space. And uh, it's kind of a pretty heavy topic, a math topic that can get really deep and esoteric. But the visualization of that that we found online and doing research are just incredibly beautiful on their own. So we're, we're like, let's, let's try to figure out how to express this really complex idea of higher dimensional space, but in a very minimalist, sculptural, and, uh, and just uh, very, which we have an aesthetic of like very, a lot of transparency uh, and clear. And very austere. Yeah. And so we, it, it was to 
the, the challenge was to try to touch on this really complex subject, but then also do it in just a, in a standalone way, something that you don't have, you know, you, you don't have to understand all of the different elements, but it's a but re- it's inspired by that, by those concepts. You might not have to understand all the concepts. Um, you can experience the piece. Like, yeah, you don't yeah, even have to understand any of the math mm-hmm. that goes yeah. behind it, and they stand alone as themselves as sculptural pieces. Um, but we we when we started getting into it, we we you know you can go down a rabbit hole pretty fast, and it's like wait a minute, what is this? What is this? What is this? Wikipedia link, Wikipedia link. So we've delved pretty far, and we still have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I'm not no idea, but you know it's. Uh, it's a lot to uh, comprehend. Well, the concept of infinity. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you can't, like, even if you understand the concept, you can't really ever Un- comprehend it. it. Because it's infinite. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think it's the thing that's amazing uh, that what we found inspiring about infinity and then also about uh, the four dimensional, higher dimensional spaces was that. These they're not fantasy. It's not a fantasy story. It's not a um, it's not a science fiction story. That this is actual mathematics, and there's uh, actual practical applications and formulas and and materials and things that are coming from this that are real. So uh, at some point, I think in the in the last. A uh, hundred years or so, at least, I, the, the 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 question of what is the nature of reality, mathematics really kind of took over a lot of what philosophy was talking about, mm-hmm. and I think we were we were trying to do was to put in a, a way that people could, could, you know, being artists, visual artists, were going to express in a visual mm-hmm. format. But to get that conversation started, it was, what does it mean for reality to know that, yes, we do have four and five spatial dimensions? And the, so what's four, like from a layman's sense? Well, most people think it's time. That's, That's usually, what, That would be my uh, guess. Yeah. And, but in mathematics, it's actually a very different thing. And I think that, well, no, I think that is what we're, are, we're trying to show. Um, there are, diff- like, so... A three-sphere, that's a four-dimensional equation, right? So there, there's the point, is, which is zero. Uh, that's the first dimension. Then you have, um, from the point, you have the circle. So every point to the, from the circle to the point, that's your second, that's your second dimension. And then your third dimension is a sphere to that point. Right. And then the fourth dimension is the volume infinite in infinitely to that point. There's all those other dimensions that we can't see, but they're there. So there's all those different points in between. So like the space sort of space. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. there's a great book called Flatland and they and that's actually about um these different dimensional space. So in the very beginning of the book they he is trying to explain the difference of that there's the the two dimensional space to three dimensional space. So he talks about looking at a penny, and when you look at it from this way, you see the circle. But if you if it's on the side of a table, and then you start to move yourself down to, then you're looking at the side of the penny. It just becomes a line. Mm-hmm. Those are different dimensions, and you can't always see them at the same time. 
Does that make sense? Sort of, yeah. No, it makes sense. <laughs> it's it's a really complex. It's it's it, well because there's really no way for us to to even I mean, mathematicians are are working with it and have been for more more than uh, about almost two centuries. They've been working on these uh, theoretical spaces, uh, but even through some of the research, like we tried to do enough research to where we could talk about it in a way that we sort it even as much research as we did it was still so hard to grasp and i think that's what we really liked about it yeah because it's not something you can say well this is what it actually looks like because it exists in we, we don't have those ex, that extra dimension to to relate to so uh, there, there are some really complex two-dimensional drawings that they call projective plane. And uh, if you go online, you can see a lot of these um, hypercubes and hyperspheres. And what they look like is these uh, revolving circles and revolving cubes that keep folding in on themselves. Now, that was what our that was kind of our inspiration for the main sculpture that we have and we took that from a two-dimensional drawing and then made this large eight foot by eight foot uh and then three feet high sculpture that's in the center of the gallery um that was that the the, the centerpiece is it just kind of gives you i gives you this idea of folding and recurring and folding and also the why we use the material which is clear we wanted to give it this there's a the way that the a torus is the, so the shape is a torus how that folding and revolving continuously moves we wanted to also like it because the the material is clear it looks like it's almost fluid and rigid at the same time and that that's really kind of like as Patrick touched on before, like these are really complex ideas and very, uh, we think of them in a very philosophical way. So we're not trying to say that we're mathematicians or even, you know, say that we, we comprehend all of this in, in, in the math form, but we're so inspired by what it represents and realizing that we as, you know, two people on this planet, how small we are when you think about it in a greater, in the greater universe yeah. Yeah. yeah the greatest scheme of things yes thank you um like the, it's so huge and it's wow we are this little tiny speck and what all of these things that that mathematicians are showing like out there in the universe of what these things are doing now and and when we're just beginning to as a as a rate as a species to under to even scratch the surface so that's pretty exciting yeah, yeah. um that makes me think of uh recently like it was I, I got to go back and listen to this full episode but it was about it was dealing with like space exploration and this guy's like a rocket scientist or whatever so he's not like some wahoo like pseudoscientist he's like actually like has math and stuff mm -hmm. and basically as far as like the question talking about like the last hundred years and the questions of our existence and stuff but even like something like aliens which I'm sort of like okay, like, you, like you want to believe that other dimensions and other, like, you want to believe that there's bigger, like, there's other things, that there's still mysteries to the world, because we've, at least we think us as humans have figured out a lot. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but like some of the newer stuff I think to do with math and like infinity is that the universe now we do have an understanding that like it's super big (laughs) and that time is super big and that mathematically there probably is life elsewhere not just probably like the odds of it not like don't mathematically add up yeah yeah and also the odds that we would be the first kind of intelligent species also doesn't add up Mm -mm. so that's like one thing about it and then two with like the different dimensions that there are infinite versions of ourselves out there like in other yeah. dimensions. Yeah, there could I, possibly like, absolutely be. And that's a part of the infinity yeah. concept, like where every decision that you make is made somewhere. Yeah. And then on the one hand, like, yeah, like it can make you feel small, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, yeah, every decision then that you make actually does matter. Have consequences. Like, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so use it, you know, yeah. use your life. So, yeah. I think that I, you know, the so so infinite like three sphere we we dedicated this show for three sphere, um, and then we're also we have some works that that do, that we try to explore just the the idea of infinity. And I think another thing that's really interesting is that infinity is not just a, a an idea and a concept. I mean, we have a, a mathematical symbol for it. It's used in calculations for a lot of things that that are practical. Like it, it actually has a function, so it's a real thing. It's not just a made-up thing. And I think, uh, you know, that this this is one of the the so that the the title of the show is data ada data three sphere, and so the three sphere is the topic of this specific show. But data ada data. Is a, a a show? Not a no, show, it's but it's the, our our main like series of, of work that we're doing. So we have all these different um, installations and bodies of work that kind of fall under our data, 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 uh, greater uh, theme. Yeah. So, so what's so data? We're, so data, data, data is uh, this idea that we're for an aesthetic and a connection for the work that we have been working on mostly for the past three or four years now mm-hmm. um, is the, the beauty of raw information and just and the poetry numbers, of numbers, poetry of numbers, this idea that, uh, that numbers can be just, just without any meaning can just be a symbol and interesting, kind of like a puzzle as a, as a visual art. Like it just, you start seeing numbers, you start to think about, well, you know, that's, what does that mean? And then, so we started, that's how we started to really explore these things. Uh, that's how we got to three sphere and was, we just started looking at different ways that numbers are expressed, different ways that it, infinities, we just kind of like keep following the topic that, that really gets, gets, uh, um, gets something, a discussion started. And, and I think that like with three sphere was, has been really good like people get really into once once you kind of bridge the idea of what we're talking about people get really excited because it, it does become philosophy yeah very i mean quickly one of the things with our data 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 so it's a play on dadaism um, which is an art movement mm-hmm. um 
and we but we're in the information age now right and we are um, inundated with things that are code and and numbers all the time but in applications that we're not looking at the code per se you know like our phones there's all that code behind it we're looking at the the app that we're looking at at that moment but the code behind it is this beautiful language that is actually then this giving us this visual thing and so we were working a lot with data and and code stuff and then we started thinking about how artists use what kind of code do they use so there's the golden ratio which has been used for centuries and artists have been using it in in design and painting and sculpture and architecture and it's this beautiful perfect ratio it's the spiral ratio so it's one to 1.6 blah 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 infinite number behind it I don't know what the number is um so then we took that and we really were like let's show that beauty of the number itself so we started our first series which is Sectio Divina and that's um, it is the golden ratio number carved into raw wood and it goes infinitely long. We have sections of it. And then we started with the Fibonacci sequence, which is also an infinite se sequence. And we have that in cast cement with raw steel. And then our pie project, which is, um, we're trying to create the largest art installation in the world centered around the number pie. So every time we're hand casting every single number in pie and when someone buys a piece, then we, we actually partnered with a company, um, data visualization company called Carto. They're also Bushwick based. And um, so every time someone buys a sculpture, then we connect them on the map. So now we're building this global community hmm. around Pi. So we've got Moscow, we just got Dubai, and we have um, Hong, Kong, our, we Hong, got... Hong Kong, and we have um, Australia and New Zealand. So all over the world, it's now crisscrossing across the world. So you can see where it's traveling. So then from that, that's how we started getting into the math. And then we were like, math is a whole nother code. It's the, it's the language of the universe. So what is the language of the universe trying to express to us? And then as Patrick was saying before, as visual artists, we're going to create show it in a visual way so that's when we started like really what are these what are these amazing numbers are what are they how do they come out in a visual way so that's where we kind of like then fell onto this and now it's just opened this world to us that we the more we dig the more excited we get and we're like wow what is this what is so it's kind of like this it's a pandora's box and also this amazing like uh I don't know. I mean, a, a, a wealth, a, a, yeah, yeah, a wealth of like unexplored territory. It's not Pandora's I mean, box because I mean, that's negative. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've heard though. There's, I've heard different interpretations on that too. Oh, okay. So Just yeah, like a lot yeah. of those stories of like curses, like that's like told from one perspective, uh -huh. and the other is like, well, but that was necessary to like, like even uh, the concept of like the Garden of Eden and the knowledge of good and evil and stuff like that is like that some people are like well that you can look at it as a bad thing but also that's kind of a story of humanity of like we're we're the same as like the little many wolves upstairs we're we're animals yeah. but we unlike most other species on the planet at least we're like part of that we still need to eat breathe and like we need the same things as them to survive, but we also are self-aware and questioning mm -hmm. ourselves and questioning our reality. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's 
like it it's a blessing and a curse like, yeah. right, depends on right. how you look at it you know yeah so in, in both directions yes yeah infinitely i think and, and, it, and it comes down to what you what you do with it yeah you know um for the short speck of a moment that we're on this planet yeah how do you use that time yeah I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like, I mean, obviously, being an artist is is definitely a grueling path. But we talk about it like, okay, well, would we would we want to strive for this and and work really hard? And we have to, you know, wear many hats in order to follow this path. But it's the right path for us. Yeah. So as hard as it is, with the short amount of time, do I want to look back and go, oh, I didn't give it a shot, or I gave it everything I had? And so, I mean, that's why we live in this neighborhood. That's why, because it's just the creative energy is, is all around us. And, you know, we've got, we can just really be true to who we are in this, you know, in following this path. And it's important, you know, yeah. like I, I'm biased, of course, towards the arts, but um, like, yeah, they're vitally. Oh, Yeah important uh somebody it was on facebook or something was talking about that like all the the constant attack on like arts funding and stuff like mm -hmm. that and the constant like with the attacks on the funding kind of like the belittlement of art mm -hmm. and then it's like okay well the people that are really want to cut arts funding then should maybe not have access to like music. <laughs> so, and, right. Like, I think oh, I saw great, that. that yeah. for, for thirty days, let's yeah. let's let's not allow them access to books or but TVs it's like, or come on. to yeah, know, music like, or this thing. So. And the ridiculous part about it is that there's been so many studies that if you include music and art alongside math and science and English, you actually elevate uh, everything uh, else. You yeah. you can actually learn so much faster and you actually absorb more of those maybe, you know, the 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 path of the academic. You will actually absorb more of those learnings, those teachings if you have the creative part included into it. So it's ridiculous. I mean and also the people that are cutting all the funding when they go to their Kids go to school, they get the best music teachers yeah. and the best art classes. They go to museums, they go to events, they go to concerts. Yeah, so it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's hard for me not to think, like, I mean, not to get, like, conspiracy theory, because I don't think people are thinking it through necessarily. But on the other hand, I do think, like, sometimes that it's, like, a nefarious agenda to, like, so with art and with, I think there's a reason... Like when you are engaged in creative things and then also studying academic things, your mind is looking at things in a creative way. So you're learning concepts mm -hmm. creatively with like what you already know. Oh, um, so right. not just if your mind is opened up like that, like and you're looking at like say you're reading history, um, then you're reading it through the lens and perspective of your own life experience and and the other historical stories and the fiction story, the poems and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So you need to be more critical thinking. Yeah, Cri critical right. thinking, yes. which will help you yeah, not be a slave is... in your life. Exactly. And so maybe that's why they want to cut funding because <laughs> want to keep people... I think that, I, I mean, it's, a conspiracy theory is, is maybe... I mean, I think it's about half right because, yeah. because I think that there's some people who just don't want to spend the money and they yeah. see it as a financial thing and they see cost and return. But then, I mean, even throughout history, going back to Plato, 
Uh, and then was, uh, I think, one, there was a famous quote of one of England's queen uh, that was, uh, artists, be, beware of the artists. They are the most dangerous, for they travel freely between the classes. Yes, yes. exactly. And so, and Plato had a, a lot of things as well, and plenty of other uh, thinkers and political movements. Like they go after. They're, they're, it's not a. It's not just by happenstance that they go after art and yeah. expression because there's something being expressed greater than what they can control and not that makes it sound almost a little too conspiracy theory like not like they're really trying to control every aspect but although i'm sure there's a few people who do are that much of a control and if you go to like the extreme authoritarian like just think of the nazis one of the most extreme biggest ones that we have in like recent history burning of the books yeah Yeah. while at the same time actually hoarding Hoarding so it's like knowing the value and keeping it away from the people like and using propaganda on the people like using art like in a in a militarized way to like control people so i i mean it's it's powerful art Art is 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 extremely powerful it, and it's a, it, it expresses, it gets into things that, that, that the message really lets people take it to where their own thoughts go. Yeah. I and think, oh, sorry. No, I just, I, I, I think that, it, you know, that, you know no, I mean, kind of saying the same thing, but it's, it's a, there's a reason to control it. And then there's, there's a reason to, there's a different reason that cuts it. And somehow... Both of those forces, what you know, both of those two motivations seem to align with people trying to control. And I don't know. That, that yeah, making... I, well, I, mean, I was just going to say, I think because because visual art, you can you don't have to say. I mean, while we a lot of people write artist statements and everything, you don't have to read the artist statement. You don't have to have anything else. You can just walk in and then have your own judgment. There are no preconceived things that you have to have in order to absorb it because it's a visual language. And so lots of people can have different meanings for what the scene, you can look at the same thing and he can have a different meaning. He can come away from it with one feeling and I can come away with it from another feeling, which I think why it can be so powerful because you don't have to say anything. You can just go in. And if it's, if it's a politically driven piece of art, you can say a lot in a visual way without having to ever open your mouth. Yeah. yeah. I think there's actually an, an interesting uh, an interesting topic for art and, you know, kind of going back to our show being very minimal and uh, about a very, you know, seemingly a, very, a fairly esoteric topic. But uh, one of the things for visual arts that is pretty specific to visual arts and doesn't seem to exist so much for uh for writing and music is that people a lot of people are are intimidated by works that they don't think they think they're supposed to understand it more than like they come in and they see something like i'm not sure i get it doesn't maybe fit into a preconceived idea of what art on a wall is supposed to be um but i think that when people are given the freedom to say to to go into a show like you know to go into any show 
and see the work and absorb it on their own, on their own terms and internalize it in their own way. Um, you know, that's something that, you, you know, if you don't like a song from, you know, a jazz song, if you personally like, oh, I don't like that particular song, you know, people aren't going to go and say, well, why don't you like it? Is that what's, you know, what's, what's the reason? They're not going to feel intimidated by saying that because they're exposed to songs all the time and you either like some or, or you don't. And, uh, you know, with, with the show is people being able to come in and just experience it for what it is and not have to not have to worry about the background or oh did I, I i don't get it or something like that and it's okay not to get it you know that's the that's an important that's an important thing for for people to understand art in general yeah is, is you don't have to get it it's just you, i think it's also a good thing for people to understand that with like going back to like the art and the knowledge like to understand like when you're first exposed to a new scientific concept or exposed to some new knowledge like when you first hear it or first learn about it it might you might not get it right away it might bring up a lot of questions but those questions that's really like that's really what it's about you know what i mean encouraging that that thought like you know what i mean like where it might stay with you for for a while like and that's that's good like it's not really there's not necessarily finite answers right you know yeah. oh yeah i mean certainly and and i think uh especially when you're talking about in infinity <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i i yeah I, I mean that's a i think that is certainly with all art it's mm -hmm. there there's it's not answering it's not it's not a specific message even I mean, even when it gets specific there is there's uh you know from back from art school you know we're in critiques and you know well, you have the 10 most... people looking at the same exact thing coming up with com without any discussion coming up with 10 completely different narratives on what they think it is one of the most political songs like when you're talking about political art like that i can think of is uh what's going on like it's a question and it's talking about issues specific things but what's going on is never answered right you know like it's a it's a question yeah and it's a no i mean that's the that's the fun part I yeah <laughs> that's the the part asking asking questions and getting people thinking yeah is the fun part and then that's how people you know people then in 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 you know can internalize it in their own way and it becomes personal which is yeah uh, which is another thing that we you know we we worked on this project for close to a year and we worked on many different variations and we we got really really heavy into mathematics and trying to figure out to understand and then when we came down to what was going to the the you know what the 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 main elements of the show was going to be was how how do we create something that just yes has touches on all those subjects doesn't get lost and then makes people feel relate to it because it's how you relate to it that makes it art also so the two of you have been working together on art for i know the 
the last three or four years, but you've both been in Bushwick for 22 years? Yeah. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I'm curious sure. about, um, like, over that year process, like, I know what it is to work with the band and collaborate, but how you, like, kind of what the process is with the two of you, because I'm sure you guys, like, obviously get on together and, like, um, have things that worldviews and ideas that probably brought you together um but you still have independent thoughts so how do you how does that collaboration well, we've been a couple for 28 years um and we showed i mean we've always shared a studio and and um we've shown our work together more often than not and we've always helped each other when he had a show i helped him when i had a show he helped me and so in that sense, we always collaborated, mm-hmm. um, and it was a partnership, but um, we, I was doing installation sculpture, and Patrick was doing sound and video and installation and engineering and painting, and once we married our practice as well as our relationship, it just really was able to bring our projects to a real, really more ambitious ideas. Because once those two, once once our um, expertise were joined, it really, like, wow, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, we could do this, oh my god, we could do this, and it just really seemed to work. We Our very first collaboration is an installation that we did called Symphony in D Minor, which is a self-contained thunderstorm. And that is, the, the we showed it in Philadelphia the first time, and... Um, it was in a 7,000 square foot gallery with 40 foot ceilings. So the sculptures are 22 feet by five feet in diameter. There's four of them. Epic and they're scale. Epic scale. And there's, they're kinetic and there's sound and there's video and interactivity. And so it went across all, the whole spectrum. Um, and that was our first collaboration. And we were just like, wow, that was amazing. It kind of got it, to where we were able to push together where, where we were doing our own things separately and we were helping each other out so there was a little bit of effort to help push each other but then once we we're pushing in the exact same direction then then we just we started coming up with much more grand ideas we're yeah. like all right well we should do as she was saying about this it was you know let, let's have let's have it video let's have it you know giant 15 foot 22 foot by five foot <laughs> sculptures and have them swinging through the air and yeah let's figure this part out because that's and i think um because we trust each other so much and we um both have the same we, we have the same aesthetic and then we have the same work ethic whereas like when we're working on a project nothing else matters mm-hmm. i haven't eaten for 14 hours it doesn't matter you know what we i have to finish this we have to finish this before it's done and then we can go sleep or eat or pay bills or whatever those will all be on the end and we'll figure it out after only thing that matters right now is this has to get done so it's really because we trust each other and so much in that we can push each other to the thing to the 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 past the boundaries we thought we had as individual artists um so now it's been uh seven years that we've been collaborating yeah seven years since we started collaborating and at this point we're just like every project we do together is better than and stronger both um i think conceptually and then uh, um really more refined in how we're trying to express the work um so i think that really is 
we're now seeing that this is the right path for us to go forward as a collaboration. Not that we won't have ideas on our own and then we might have other projects. And if something comes along as like, oh, you know, if, if Patrick's paintings, someone says, hey, I love your paintings, I wanna do this, this show with you, of course he'll go and do that. But what we're working, focusing on mostly is, is um, this collaboration. We have another solo show coming up at the end of the year at the Invisible Dog, which is over in Borham Hill, and it's a 5,000 square foot space. And that will be... This year is kind of like, this is our, we have have two big Brooklyn shows. We had had done the show in Philadelphia in 2012, and uh, then... We the the exhibit went to uh, to Poland, Wrocław, Poland, and then we did uh, a residency in Spain, and then we came. Now, now that we're back here, we're this this year particularly was we've got Odetta, which is up through August, and then we have uh, the Invisible Dog Art Center. So it's this kind of interesting year for us because we we have been. We we're saying we've been here for twenty two years in the in in brooklyn in yeah. bushwick we've seen a lot of in the change. area yeah. we've seen you know mm-hmm. how much of it's changed and and it's 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 really amazing to be able to to have two big works sets of work going on in you know, like in our hometown yeah basically. it's pretty great like we feel like oh like we're you know as as brooklyn people we were like, this is a really awesome thing. Two amazing places. Odetta is phenomenal. Invisible Dog is phenomenal. Um, both of the directors, directors, founders, curators, whatever, they're both pretty amazing to work with. They're really trying to encourage the neighborhoods and, and where they are. And, and um, I think it's great to have partnerships with people in the neighborhood to really push that and help other people in the neighborhood. You know, we can all build up together and that's how I think partnerships are the things the way to I mean certainly certainly what has happened in Bushwick is without a doubt Uh, I mean from from 20 years ago just literally mostly you know the Morgan stop yeah the, the 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 warehouses that were there you know that they were 80% 80% abandoned warehouses. Yeah. And at that time, maybe 20% were, I don't even, can't say exact percentages, but, you know, there were very few people that were taking those spaces on as apartments or studios. And then watching that grow from, you know, artists and bands and everything that was there. And then, you know, then the boom, coffee shop. Yeah. And then, <laughs> it's boom, always the coffee yeah. shop. Once there's a coffee shop, you know, you're like, all right, neighborhood is in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> Or wrong, however you want to see it. <laughs> I see it as the right. I like the community that we've built. I mean, that, that we've been part of helping to build. That um, I just think it's been this amazing... I mean, there's, there's of course, Bushwick is huge. And there's a, a big Bushwick community outside of what was the industrial area of it. But us as the creative group that are in at the Morgan Stop and now expanding through the, the warehouses that were abandoned, we are a very pretty tight-knit community, I think. Yeah. I mean, we all pretty much know each other, and there's a lot of us. But it's, it's a really amazing community I, to be a part of. I like it also because, like, I've been here... Like, I've been in New York 10 years now this summer, and Bushwick 9, so it's pretty much been the whole time. Um, and there have definitely even been changes when, since I've been here. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I moved here, I was like, oh, I see. I see what's happening. <laughs> but even back then, like, you know, 
there's people still coming into the neighborhood and they're like, Oh, here three years ago this was, and I'm like, three years yeah. ago this was fine. Like, there's no fine three years ago. Yeah, like even when I moved here, like like people, there's still the people that come here, and there's the thing I love about it is that there's still something raw about oh, it. Yeah, and there's still people that have, there's still families that have been here for like fifty years mm-hmm. and way longer. Yeah, um, and those people aren't going anywhere. Yeah, and I love that so yeah. that it feels like. I'm sure it's still going to keep changing, but it feels like, like, I hope this doesn't change, but it feels like even as more restaurants and more things come in that change it, that there's still going to be like a rawness because that rawness is what makes it special. Yeah. It really does. That that creative current. Yeah. 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 And then we have so many different kinds of people it's like there is like you have the people who've been here for 50 70 years whatever and and how we work together as a community is this we we like we know these people we've seen these people we've been walking by them for 22 years they know it's like some of our neighborhood people and they're like how our lives have now intersected is a beautiful thing um like where our studio is like our our super who's been in the building for 25 years like He's this wonderful man who's from Egypt, and now, like, we share lunches with him, and, like, we have this whole new relationship, and we learn about his life and what his life community is like, and he goes to the mosque all the time, and, and but our friendship with him is this beautiful friendship that we might not have had in, in another neighborhood. Right. But because of our proximity, we've become friends, and it's this really great relationship that we get to learn about his home you know he shows us pictures of his family back home and like it's it's kind of an amazing thing yeah yeah i mean that's i mean that's what draws people to new york for sure that's you know that that energy uh i mean there are plenty of uh you know there's so many creative neighborhoods in brooklyn and we've you know we've, we've certainly been to all of them in, in different capacities, but then I don't know. There's something. I, I think it's just that that rawness that has made Bushwick. That was is kind of like because it could have been in uh, Clinton Hill. I mean, it, things happened right. there, but it happened in a different way and as, as its own style. And Gowanus, it had its own and it has its own kind of like texture and feel for the area, Red Hook. Um, but then. Bushwick, I don't know. We, it's that just, industrial thing too, because some people even now come and they don't see it right. Like they don't see the beauty of the place. <laughs> yeah. To me, it was beautiful from day one. It was yeah. just like, yes, <laughs> yeah. this is it. Um, but some people, because of the industrial element, um, like for example, like especially like when I moved here, it was like to explain it to people. Like Roberta's was like an example. It's like, look. This is like one of those, this is like a bougie ass, like New York spot, actually. (laughs) But like from the outside, it doesn't look like shit. Yeah. Like it just (laughs) looks like some weird warehouse shack. And then you go in and there's like a whole secret garden and like literally a secret garden, like in the concrete. And like that's. Kind There's hidden gems yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You and just have to be able to look exactly. and know that you can look and then be like, okay, where can I find these little gems? And I, because there are lots of little backyards where you walk into a place and you're like, oh, wow, this whole 
this exists back here and yeah. it's like oh my god this little gem is amazing yeah and you can't see it from outside because no. it does look like a little shack and also it's like so with like the people um people who've been here for years um people who've been here for a few years the new people to new york like it's because of the artist thing because of the rawness and because like as artists i think you have to what he said like the grueling lifestyle of the artist but when you know that's the path you know that you know it's like what you have to do um there's like a rawness to that and like a edge to where the characters we have all kinds of characters that come in and out of here and like as long as you're not hurting anybody um you know you're welcome like it's a welcoming spot like as you are and an encouraging spot like it's it's like it's a place where i feel like you can come and flourish because people are open you know what i mean people are supportive because they're also on that path yeah and then like the new people who just happen for whatever reason some people you know come to bushwick specifically because they've heard about it but some people just happen to like stay at a hostel in the neighborhood or something and then are kind of like oh looking around it's just like yeah this, you're, this is the place. you know you're welcome to be here like there's yeah. a lot of stuff i think it's uh, like we're very accepting from everyone's differences because yeah. we are all on our own path i mean not that some people aren't you know welcoming differences but i think majority of bushwick is like yeah whatever be yourself yeah be yourself and you're cool just cool Great. <laughs> I, I think it kind of creates a culture though too, like with within like the nightlife and stuff like that. When somebody's being hostile in a certain way, like usually it's shut down pretty quick without it escalating, mm-hmm. just because the community is just sort of like just chill, chill. out, yeah. bro. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and also because one, it is a tight knit community, yeah. so they're like maybe you know something's kind of happening with somebody so first of all it's just like just chill out and second of all like no like like chill out like that like that i know this person and you know so it's like kind of people realizing like yeah like it's a tight-knit community um so it's there's a safeness in that you know yeah and it's like sort of like like community like same tribe yeah. Like, yeah, you know, not uh, you know, just even if someone who comes, someone who's who's been here for a long time, or someone who just comes, like it's there. There's a certain uh, reciprocating energy, and you're right. I, I don't I hadn't really considered it that much, but I there I, there are so few instances of any kind of real confrontation confrontations yeah. that I mean, of course they happen, yeah. but it's considering the amount of people that are out and the amount of places uh, and you know the the amount of times where it, it could be that it's not yeah it's not at all well it's also because like we're the culture is not hostile here so it's like right if you ever experience like when you're like lost somewhere and people are like we're you know you don't what are you looking <laughs> like what are you what are you doing here like yeah. that's not it here it's just sort of like oh hey like how's it going like and then you know um because that hostile like if somebody's hostile like kind of protecting their turf that makes for just a hostile situation to happen right from somebody who's new to a place then they get defensive and you know yeah 
Um, but that's not what we have here. We have this welcoming culture. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have you guys repeat um, where people can see the current show and um, when. And uh, so we're the the show is running up through August nineteenth at the Odetta Gallery, and uh, that's at two twenty nine Cook Street. And uh, actually, this this Sunday at three o'clock, we're doing an artist talk. Uh, so that's going to be one of the the events that go on there. Uh, the the gallerist does a number of other events. So throughout the show, the rest of the show, there'll be a number of other events at the space. Um, and then uh, if I could also mention that we're doing, uh, we're having a very large installation at uh, the Invisible Dog Art Center, and that's going to be through the month of December, where we're doing a 30-day performance in the gallery uh, that is a sound installation, sound sculpture, plus uh, we're working on a mandala that will... Uh, that will interact with the sound and how the sound is played back. So two really big things that are going on, one that's going on now and one that's coming up. Nice. Um, and I'm going to try to come to the thing on Sunday, actually. This will probably go up, like, well, this will definitely go up after that. But um, online, if people want to follow your work, where's the best place or places? Probably Instagram. Uh, so mine is just Chris Clapper. And I'm Patrick Gallagher, NYC. Cool. And then, uh, and then from have, there you we can, have websites. We have our that websites you can or click through, click through onto, onto, that. onto that. Yeah. But if that's what we post mostly. At all. Like most people that think are switching to preferring Instagram, like even if they have websites. It's just easier to update so yeah. fast. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I try and keep current on the websites but it's like oh okay i'll get to that but it literally instagram you can do it in two seconds and i feel like it's not as uh necessary to update websites the same way especially yes. like like i think before people would blog kind of on their web yes but i also didn't really like that style necessarily like with the like like for instance like with a band where you're blogging because you need to right versus like i feel like the website's good for people to go and like get all the information right be more static yeah of course update with like the shows and stuff like that but like whereas instagram is like a social and it's constant it's constantly updating like if we're working on something new that it might just be like little teasers for what's coming so the process right we're not necessarily going to put that whole process on our website right you know that's where you get to see our cv and like all the press and whatever those kind of things but i think instagram is kind of the the way that it's it's an easier avenue for artists to get themselves out there and to get their work out there yeah and then for other people to connect yeah, to you. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty new to it. Um, just hadn't got around to it. But then with with the podcast, like it's like all right, let's do the things. Um, also, was trying Twitter, but Twitter, I just I, haven't been. I can't Twitter, get into Twitter. Twitter's a, hard, yeah, no. <laughs> Twitter's a really hard one to crack. It seems like also with it, like the thing with Twitter, I think you have to live on it like you have to put a lot and i don't like with facebook i'm trying to like back up from a little bit um whereas instagram i feel like you 
poster pictures. You can like glance at it, but it doesn't. It's not as much of a time suck. And it doesn't really impact your life the same way that those kinds of things, I think, can. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook can just be a time suck that you're like, how did, the, how did four hours go? Wait, yeah. what on, what? Whereas Instagram, you'd be like, okay, I looked at a couple pictures, that, cool, great. I posted a couple things, and then you're like back into what you're, what you need to focus on. The instant gratification of Instagram. Oh, yeah. I mean, because yeah. because you're, you're, it's like, like, the picture's worth a thousand words, so you can... Sent, you put your picture up, people can look at it, they can scroll at it. If it's Twitter, maybe it's an article and they have to click and follow the link. And So there's a little more effort and I think that a lot of, especially people who are visual artists and, and looking at visual, it's, very, it's just it's, uh, a little more instant. You get all the information, you get to see uh, and decide, make your decisions on that a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, and then also it's, it's, I mean, you know, just with, I, I, I think like Twitter can just be really, we, we certainly have Twitter accounts and we try to update it, but the amount of work it takes to yeah. get a following to where <laughs> yeah. it means something is that you have to have, you know, the, the people who do have that usually wind up paying people. That, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a full time job yeah. in itself. So I'm like, wait a minute, how, how do I have, I've been on Twitter for like two seconds. How do I have 500 new updates? Like, it's just so yeah. fast. You can't keep up with it. Yeah. It's impossible. To. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I don't understand. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about that too. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Twitter. All right. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I think that uh, for I mean, for our show and for the type of work that we do, um, one of the things is that uh, important that we're if if you come to see the three sphere show, you will see a a certain aspect, a certain aesthetic, a certain style, and and conversation going on there. Um, Coming to the Invisible Dog, you'll see an entirely different. There's gonna have no relationship to what's happening at. Uh, well, we'll have some relationship just in the fact that it's it's going to be data and code. However, it will be completely different. aesthetically the, the com- topic and the, the aesthetic. Yeah, is the very, theme very different. and the and the aesthetic is going to be completely different. And then then also our our previous installations, they Symphony and D minor. Enti- you know, that's that's an interactive thunderstorm, an entirely different uh, approach to that. And then we have several large scale installations that we've wor- been working on and we're writing for grants and we're trying to get funding and trying to get the spaces to put these on. So that, uh, f- you know, and they will have a very, very different aspect to it as well. So I, I think, think that it's just, an interesting point for the type of yeah. work that that comes out of our collaboration is that it keeps going in directions that we have no no idea exactly <laughs> so uh it's 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 pretty exciting so to, to for us to do that and also uh i think from the outside from people looking in that it's always every different. time we have an exhibition it will be something you don't know what you'll get it'll be something very different nice any final thoughts? 
Thank you very much for having us. Yes. Thank you for coming yes. on. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. This is great. This, fun. this is great. I look yeah. forward to um, coming to the talk on Sunday, too. Good. Good. Cool. So that was my conversation with Chris Clapper and Patrick Gallagher about Data Atta Data, Three Sphere, The Pi Project. Um, and I did go to their artist talk. That was yesterday. Um, I had a great time. And that was my first time seeing all the work in the space. And that was my first time in Odetta Gallery. And I met Ellen, uh, the head of that gallery, and we'll probably be talking to her on here pretty soon in an upcoming episode. Um, also just want to mention the pie project is really cool. Um, I'll have the link for that in the show notes as well. Uh, that's to be the largest, um, art installation in the world. Um, and anybody listening to this anywhere, uh, you can order one of those pieces and have a piece of that art installation, which is, uh, the hand casted numbers of pie. Um, thank you very much for listening. Like always, I had a great time again talking to Patrick and Chris, um, Bushwick, longtime residents, legends, and friends. Um, really glad to have them on and look forward to having on, you know, more cool people in the future. Um, and hopefully, you know, if you're listening to this and you're into art, you're into innovative things you do your thing and then um, I'll have you on here too. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it very much. If you like this so far, please uh, subscribe, please rate, please share. um, And yeah, keep doing your thing. Your story is not anybody else's story. It's yours and it's important. um, So live it, tell it, be it, share it. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Peace. We're gonna set you free.